Now more with Frank Gaffney. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome for the first time to these microphones, Ellie Conaham, a new senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy. She is helping our director of the Middle East and North Africa project at the center, Victoria Coates, with that very important initiative and bringing to bear uh, considerable expertise on the matter of anti-Semitism. In fact, she served during the Trump administration as the deputy special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism at the U.S. State Department. Um, We're very pleased to have her with us. Ellie, thank you for taking a few minutes. Remind us about the last time that there was a big Durban conference uh, in 2001 and uh, what went down there and uh, how the U.S. responded to it at the time and what flowed from it. Well, Frank, the original um, Durban conference, which, like you said, was held in 2001, um, was meant to be a a gathering, an international gathering hosted by the United Nations, which also had a parallel NGO track. And the focus of the Durban conference was supposed to be racism. However, um, we saw a number of anti-Israel countries take this conference and turn it into an anti-Israel hate fest, and so that by the end, the United States uh, had to pull out with a number of other countries, and, uh, and, and it literally, when I say turned into a hate fest, it's not an exaggeration. What also wound up um, resulting from the Durban conference is what many of us believe was, was, in essence, the inspiration and the beginning of the boycott, divest, and sanction movement against Israel. This, of course, all flows, I guess, from something that was a perennial of the United Nations for some time, which was the thesis that Zionism is racism. So when you had the Durban confab uh, taking place, they were essentially drawing on the wellspring there of anti-Semitism, albeit masquerading as anti-Zionism or anti-Israel attitudes, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, Frank, to your point, the um, United Nations um, has, you know, this obsessive uh, uh, relationship with the one small Jewish state of Israel. Um, and so the, the number of condemnations against against Israel compared to, and, and for, you know, human rights violations, no, no less. When you look at countries like Syria under Assad, which um, gassed its own people, when you look at the Chinese Communist Party, which today is committing genocide against the Uyghur Muslims, and when I use the word genocide, um, when we were at the State Department under the Trump administration, we, we did a full review, and that was a designation. When, we, when the State Department uses the word genocide, um, it has a certain definition, and, uh, and so the Chinese Communist Party uh, actions against the Uyghur Muslims falls into that definition. Um, And so on, you look at the Iranian regime and the heinous human rights violations against its own people on a daily basis. And so you, you look at this at the world stage and you say, okay, and who is being condemned over and over again? Well, well, it's Israel. It's the Jew among nations. And I think that um, whether we're talking about the Durban conference, whether we're talking about the United Nations obsession with Israel, whether we're talking about, uh, as you referenced a moment ago, the UN's original Zionism is racism resolution, 
And, and, and Delhi, that brings me to what's coming up next month, once again, in South Africa, in uh, Durban. There is reason to believe that it will be a reprise of uh, the horrors of the conference that took place there 20 years ago. Is that right? Exactly right. And for that reason, I am very um, happy to say that the United States, Germany, France, and a number of other countries have already declared that they are boycotting the upcoming uh, Durban conference, which is, you know, I guess to use their words, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the original. Um, and what I would say, though, Frank, is that, uh, again, the, the original Durban conference and and the others that were held uh, in later years are are truly a stain on the United Nations, and uh, and they're they're stain on on the notion of the international community having a moral authority. So so you know wonderful that um, that these countries have have uh, boycotted. What I think the right thing to do is for the United Nations itself to just cancel the Durban conference, knowing its history, and really for every country to refuse participation. So, um, you know, there are, I'm going to name just a few uh, countries who have not yet uh, announced their own boycotts. And um, these are countries that have, you know, wonderful track records in, in, in other affairs. For example, Italy has not yet. Now, Italy in the last year and a half appointed an anti-Semitism commissioner, which is something that when, when I was a deputy envoy in the State Department, we advocated for all the time. Argentina has not um, announced their boycott. You know, Argentina has done great work in uh, in the fight against anti-Semitism. They have adopted the IRA definition of anti-Semitism. Countries like South Korea, Japan, Mexico, and so this is this is a long list of countries that have yet to uh, to announce their own boycott. So I certainly hope that they will do the right thing and do so. But again, ultimately, this rests upon the United Nations. Um, as a body to do the right thing. Speak about that, if you would, please, because, um, you know, Guterres, the uh, the current secretary general, is uh, widely regarded as a man of the world and um, sensitive on matters of racism. What is his role in all of this and uh, the, the evident lack of leadership that would correct what the UN is up to? Does it buck stop there or or is it with member nations or some combination of the two yeah frank i believe i believe it is the member nations and that's why i'm not optimistic i mean i make the call i make the call for the u.n to cancel this because it is the right thing to do but um the u.n unfortunately has proven time and again that it that it singles out israel and so, and so this is, you know, when you look, for example, at the IRA definition, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism, which was um, created and now adopted by over 30 countries around the world and institutions worldwide, the IRA definition was created so that we all have a definition of anti-Semitism. We can, we can agree what the problem is, right? And then we can go about solving it. And so the IRA definition has under it the examples, which clearly delineate delegitimizing the state of Israel, comparing Israeli policies to Nazi policy, um, singling out Israel, treating Israel uh, as no other country. And so this is, you know, this is exactly what has taken place historically at Durban, and it's exactly what we expect will continue to take place. I just want to read some quotes to you from the original 2001 Durban conference. Um, <clears throat> 
PLO founder Yasser Arafat was there at the time. And this is when he used this language, quote, he calls, um, he calls Israel, um, quote, a racist colonialist conspiracy of aggression, forced eviction, usurpation of land, and infringement, infringement upon Christian and Islamic holy places. And he called Israel, quote, a colonialist challenge against international legitimacy, moved by a mentality of superiority that practices racial discrimination that adopts ethnic cleansing and transfer. So you look at this quote and you say to yourself, what did this man not accuse Israel of, right? It's a laundry list of of these baseless accusations, colonialism, usurpation of land, infringement of of Islamic holy places, um, mentality of superiority, racial discrimination, ethnic cleansing and transfer. This is the language that he used. And so this, again, became the very basis of the BDS, Boycott, Divest, and Sanction movement against Israel, which we're suffering through right now today as we speak on American college campuses throughout the West. We're, we're suffering through the BDS movement where, um, where you know, we've got forces on college campuses and now, you know, all over on every social media platform everywhere trying to convince the world, in essence, that Israel is an apartheid state, that the Israelis are somehow these neo-colonialist aggressors. And so what we see, Frank, is a direct result. You know, you can kind of draw these direct lines consequences between Yasser Arafat's rhetoric at the 2001 Durban conference, at the BDS movement, our college campuses, the halls of Congress today with Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, you know, echoing exactly this kind of rhetoric. And for the first time in this most recent Gaza conflict, Frank, in the United States of America, Jews were physically assaulted by Palestinian flag-waving, kefiyah-wearing mobs who came into Jewish neighborhoods in Los Angeles and in New York looking for Jews and assaulting Jews. And so this, and at, at the same time that there's conflict going on in Israel, right? And so that's where this rhetoric ends. Where the rhetoric goes is, is it eventually winds up in vicious and violent assaults on Jews. And ultimately, Jews pay the price in lives, in Jewish lives. That's where this rhetoric ends. This is the kind of trend that is obviously continuing to gather steam, Ellie, and we appreciate so much what you've done in the U.S. government and what you're doing now with the Center for Security Policy and both calling attention to it, uh, decrying it, of course, but also trying to counter it. Thank you, Frank. And, And, you know, exactly right, Frank. You know, we are seeing a consistent year-over-year rise in anti-Semitism in every corner of the globe, including what you just said in Israel itself, where Israeli Arabs um, attempted lynchings of their their fellow Jewish Israelis, where they looted and burned down um, Jewish property in places like Akko and Lod and other cities throughout Israel. And uh, and so, you know, I, I appreciate your your work over the years, Frank. Um, you're someone that many of us look look up to in so many ways. And uh, and the fact that you are shedding light on the subject right now. And Frank, if I may say the last thing is um, I did recently write an op ed in Newsweek where I advocated for the United States to um, appoint 
our own anti-Semitism commissioner to create this position out of the White House, because um, when I was an envoy at the State Department, uh, our mandate at the State Department, as you know, is global anti-Semitism. We had no domestic mandate whatsoever, and I think it's time we here in the United States need an anti-Semitism commissioner with a mandate to fight this hatred right here on U.S. soil. You, you mentioned Ilhan Omar and uh, some of her ilk on Capitol Hill, and I, I was thinking of, uh, again, in the midst of that conflict, another aspect of the anti-Zionism crusade, if I can use that expression, that they were mounting, was denying Israel defensive weaponry, specifically replenishments for its Iron Dome anti-rocket, anti-missile system, so vitally needed in that uh, period when Hamas was launching thousands and thousands and thousands of rockets at civilian areas of Israel. It was just another ratcheting up, it seems, of uh, this larger agenda on the part of uh, anti-Semites like Ilan Omar. It was a it was a ratcheting up, Frank. Uh, like you said, here here Israel was in the midst of the of the Gaza conflict, where Hamas rained down over four thousand rockets on Israeli civilians and population centers. And in the midst of that, when when you know Israeli families with little children, you you can see the footage, hear sirens, and they're grabbing their kids on the streets and running for cover, trying to find you know next to cars. While that's going on, Ilhan Omar stood on the floors of the United States Congress and called for uh, an end of our um, sales to these defensive weapons systems. Now, Frank, here's the thing. It's certainly a ratcheting up. It's certainly a continuation of her track record of anti-Israel hatred and hatred of Jews worldwide. But but it's also it was also rather idiotic of her because here's the thing Israel's not going away and I know that Ilhan Omar and all the Jew haters and Israel haters uh, that is the key point that they can't handle but the bottom line is Israel's not going anywhere and so if Israel doesn't have defensive weapon systems well it's going to use offensive weapon systems right and so ultimately um, the Iron Dome system what it does is that when when Hamas rains down these rockets on Israel Iron Dome shoots down the rockets, right? So in effect, uh, right, so it's a a defensive weapon system. Now, if you take that away from Israel, well, well, what point, you know, what uh, option does Israel have at that point? Well, then they're going to have to use offensive weapons, and there's going to be way more um, civilian casualties in Gaza as a result. You know, the Israelis do everything that anyone can can imagine, and beyond that, to, to the detriment of their own military success, to take defensive measures, to give civilians in Gaza um, opportunities to leave before they, um, you know, before they knock down buildings and so forth. So now when Ilhan Omar wants to take away Israel's defensive uh, military equipment, again, it's also just rather idiotic because all that will happen is that Israel will have to then use offensive military uh, systems instead. There's so much more to talk with you about, Ellie. You, you originally came from Iran, and I know you're following closely developments there, as is the MENA project, the Middle East and North Africa project, with uh, uh, which you're working on with Victoria Coates. In fact, I did want to just mention um, it will have taken place by the time this program airs, but uh, there's a very important webinar taking place today 
at the Center for Security Policy, a, a special webinar featuring uh, Dr. Coates and Robert Greenway of the Hudson Institute, a former U.S. intelligence uh, officer in uh, Afghanistan, as well as uh, our colleague Fred Flights, the president of the center. And uh, I commend it to all of you. You can find it at securefreedom.org, as you can, the work of uh, Eli Konahim. Thank you so much for joining us, Ellie. I hope you'll be a frequent guest here. We'll look forward to talking with you about Iran and much more in the days ahead. But thank you for this report on Durban to help calibrate uh, what the UN is up to and why it must be resisted on anti-Semitism, among other things. God bless you. Next up, we'll speak with Lawrence Peck about what is going on on the Korean Peninsula and what it might mean for us at the events of conflict in Taiwan. That and more straight ahead. Visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney.